Welcome to the Disrupt Now podcast, episode number 16. The Disrupt Now podcast, created by Natalie Viglione, entrepreneur and founder of Team Goo. It's designed to help people break down the walls around them, construct the ultimate vision of their lives, and provides the tools, tips, and techniques to disrupt their status quo. We shine a light on the good, the bad, and the ugly to help build the roadmap to your dreams. We talk with today's most effective disruptors in every area from art and design to technology and finance and even health and well-being. Our guests bring topics to light that help others to shake themselves free and can give them a whole new outlook on life. Welcome to the Disrupt Now podcast. Thank you for joining us today. And I feel like we're kind of on this really great roll around animals. Uh, We had the NYC Mayor's Alliance uh, on not too long ago on an episode. Today, we have an amazing disruptor, not only an amazing disruptor in general as an entrepreneur, but also a disruptor in saving animal lives, which... Again, anyone who knows me knows this is such a topic near and dear to my heart, um, near and dear to my husband's heart. I mean, this is just a very important thing. And I would love to welcome Mike McCarthy. Um, He's an accounting systems consulting entrepreneur. He sold his consulting company back in 98. And so for the past 20 years, give or take, uh, Mike has been providing financial and organizational consulting services for many nonprofit animal service organizations in uh, many locations in the country. And he's also the founder of Rescue Express, Express, which is an initiative of MGM Animal Foundation that works with rescue groups to save the lives of homeless animals. An amazing foundation. Mike, very excited to have you. Thank you for being a guest on Disrupt Now. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. No, it's early on the, the West Coast, so hopefully you have, you know, the coffee in front of you and you're all ready to go. <laughs> yes, I do. Oh, good. Perfect. Perfect. We're already jazzed up on the East Coast, so, you know, we're, I have many gallons of coffee already in the system, so we're good there. <laughs> um, Mike, it, it sounds like you've been disrupting, as I like to say, status quo for most of your entire life. Um, And I think, you know, some of the big things that I've heard from our listeners in our Disrupt Now community is really understanding the perspective that a person has on their lives when they start. And, you know, I'm, I'm, and, you know, we were going to break down your journey as an entrepreneur, but um, talking about more, you know, okay, you, you, you're going along, maybe you had some, you know, uh, positions in specific companies. And then you said, you know what, I'm starting my own thing. So building your own company, it's never easy, never, ever, ever easy entrepreneur here. No, know the path. Um, but I would really love to hear, uh, your journey leading up to, you know, you building your business and getting to the point, you know, roughly 20 year, 20 years ago and selling your, your consulting company. Tell us more. We, we need to know. 
We need to know. Okay. Well, um, <laughs> at some point while I was working uh, for a company that wrote financial accounting systems uh, software, um, I think I was there eight years in total, but uh, it gets to a certain point where you don't really, you know, you move up in the organization and then at some point you don't really want your boss's bo uh, job or your boss's boss's job. And so it's time to, it's time to go out on your own. Um, and so yes. I, I did so, and I was consulting on uh, this particular software and traveled around the country uh, doing so. Um, that was back in the early, well, I guess maybe that was back in the late 80s, actually. And um, um, at some point along the way, um, well, we converted uh, our expertise to the, the um, Unix-based products, which are um, uh, the, same, the same functionality, but instead of running on a $5 million IBM mainframe, they're running on a $50,000 Unix box. Mm -hmm. and, and there were lots of people that, lots of companies that were converting to those products, but didn't really have much expertise in it. And so there was lots and lots of accounting uh, consulting work at the time. We worked with a, a particular vendor's product, uh, Lawson Software out of Minneapolis. And so we were one of their first implementation partners. And so I started out with about four people and about three or four years later, we had 200 consultants on staff. Wow. So that's high uh, growth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's not, it's not Google growth, but it's, uh, it was, it was, uh, you know, big growth for me. So, um, absolutely. at some point along the way, I saw, uh, a, another, um, entrepreneur like myself sell his consulting company. And so I decided, well, he could do it. I could do it. And about nine months later, I, sold the company uh, as I was working with um, uh, a business broker, we had like four good offers for the company. So that, that process um, took place and then I worked for another year with him. And then after that, I was, you know, trying to figure out what, what is next for me. <laughs> um, right. Often people uh, feel like, they need to keep going with uh, uh, in business uh, and just make more money and more money and more money or something. And, and um, um, I didn't really feel that, um, although I thought I would do something in the business world. Um, but I, I did get involved. I was in the uh, I was on the board of the uh, uh, Austin Humane Society for a year and uh, found that to be it was OK, but you know, boards are slow and aren't really mm -hmm. that particularly uh, productive. As, as an individual, you don't feel very productive on a board. So I started looking for uh, talented people that were looking to do something and, and were missing some components. So um, Ellen Jefferson, which was um, one of the folks I met, she wanted to start doing a low-cost spay-neuter uh, service uh, and so she was looking for a school bus to do it in. And so I decided that I would provide them the surgical um, 
uh, surgical suite vehicle that they ended up using. Um, I was always I was on the board as well, and I provided some other consulting um, expertise in the in running the business. But that was a that was a great investment. Ellen went on to ultimately uh, almost single handedly get Austin to non uh, a no kill city. Mm, that uh, is awesome. Yeah, so I've worked with a, a number of organizations like that where I've found good people that needed some expertise or money or something, and then and that's helped them, you know, move along. Yeah. So, um, uh, I I was I lived in Oregon uh, about four or five years ago and decided that um, uh, I needed to do. You know, I was trying to decide what I was going to do next, and I saw a lot of folks that were transporting rescue animals from Southern California to that area and further north because there was a shortage of animals, and it became evident that there's a real shortage of animals in the north. And mm-hmm. so um, they were doing it in various um, ways. There were often, you know, very passionate people trying to do good things and and more is always better. So they're packing more and more animals in, in a van or a car or a truck or something. And often the animals, some of them didn't make it or they made it in, in very, you know, terrible condition. Yeah. Um, and so I, I said, well, I can do this or I think I can do this in a, in a better um, way because of my, uh, my entrepreneurial uh, expertise, my my business expertise and um, my love for, for the animals. So we did a lot of research on, on um, uh, vehicles to use. We chose uh, the school buses, which were, which were uh, very plentiful and, and uh, um, fairly economical to buy. And we bought a number of these. Well, we bought one initially and, and, um, we also uh, created an online reservation system uh, for our partners uh, and use that to um, get get uh, to fill up the bus every every week when we drove down. So we started we started going down to Southern California and working with the rescue groups down there, and they would put animals on the bus and then we would bring them to rescue groups in the north. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, the concept of um, that, that we just do transport um, and don't, you know, we don't go into the shelters and, and get the animals and stuff. We just go down and and do transport. So we come down with a, you know, sterilized van or bus with 100 carriers in it and pick up the animals from different shelters and different uh, rescue partners and then deliver them to the rescue partners in the north. Right. Right. And that's an, that's an amazing process too. I wasn't really aware of the fact that this, this kind of transportation service has been going on for quite a long time. And you had mentioned that, you know, in um, the write-up, and I, I was kind of shocked because I think it's something that, um, from an operational perspective, um, animal lovers like me, you know, we don't necessarily know those kinds of things that are going on, quote-unquote, behind the scenes. Um, 
but it's, you know, it's a tremendous effort. I mean, let's break down Rescue Express a little bit because I, you know, clearly love the ethos. I love the relocation as an alternative to euthanization. Um, you know, as I mentioned, animal lover my whole life. <laughs> I had sheeps as pets when I was little. I mean, I've, you know, I've run the gamut on, on pets, but, um, I do kind of feel like this transport service and your evolution from entrepreneur consultant into, you know, running this kind of foundation um, is amazing. And I feel like this kind of quote unquote secret operation of people doing really great things, you know, the transportation services, which means so much for these animals lives, because that's typically what we've, what we've seen, right. Is uh, shelters get totally overwhelmed there's no place to disperse them and you know that's where the euthanization starts happening and especially in the kill shelters um and you know those kinds of operations that just can't you know take it further that's where a foundation like yours really comes into play so tell us more about it i mean from a you know bigger picture perspective you know these these buses and and the operations and what it really takes to make this happen well um, uh, when we started with the buses, um, uh, and we brought it out to the general public, a lot of people would say, well, why, you know, what are you, what are you doing? Why are you transporting? Where, where are you transporting these animals to? They don't really understand any of the, any of the concepts. And, and right. the biggest, the biggest thing is, is that there is a real shortage of animals in the North and the farther North you go, the greater the shortage. All mm. these folks, for whatever reasons, and there's there's many reasons, the weather and a lot of things. Um, but up north, everybody's spaying and neutering their their pets, and so when it comes time to try to find a pet, um, they're not all that available. And mm -hmm. I, I don't think people really realize that that's the case. That there is a shortage in the north. Right. Yeah. No, I don't think so at all. Yeah. So. Um, so and we're we're pulling animals mostly from Southern California, the Central Valley, and and the greater L.A. areas. We're, and now we're going to be pulling closer down to San Diego as well. But in the last two and a half years, we've transported about twelve thousand animals. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. So what is the little journey of, of a pet? Um, uh, how does it really work? You know, there, you know, you obviously the networking is with the, the shelters and, you know, they're overloaded potentially, or, or, you know, just again, like you said, dispersing, right. Um, <clears throat> what is that? What is that journey for the little guys look like? Um, so what, what happens is that the, um, um, uh, well, the, there's there's animals in the sh in all of these shelters and all these different places, and there's a, a, always a, um, a network of rescue people who are passionate about trying to save some of these animals uh, at in these different areas, and so they um, me. Uh, they're always looking to pull animals and try to find homes for them. So they're pulling animals to to do. Um, uh, uh, adoptions or whatever, but what what we're doing is allowing them to be able to pull these animals out of the out of the shelters, make a reservation on the bus um, for you know some of some of these shelters that we work with, like um, 
Bakersfield will put 40 animals on the bus uh, uh, in any given stop. So mm-hmm. the way it, the way it works is that the the rescue groups down there have to have a place to um, in the north that are agreeing to take the animals and and all these rescue groups do have partnerships with the folks in the north. So what we so the, the process is they come out of the shelters they're they're uh, quarantined for uh, ten days or so and then um, then they make then they're They've got a reservation on the bus. They are uh, Saturday morning. We start from San Fernando, and um, uh, the animals get on the bus at a different, you know, at whatever stop they're they're at um, along the five highway, and uh, and it's a anywhere from a, a ten to twenty-two hour trip to wherever they're. Uh, going to be getting off and the rescue group that's going to be taking them and that could be seattle or a lot of our animals are getting off at our last stop which is in burlington washington and we may have like six rescue groups from canada um waiting for us to take you know all these different animals that that they've made you know made um arrangements to take right Wow. I mean, that is a massive operation. <laughs> that's a, uh, I can't, and I can't even imagine, you know, that's why I love um, what you're doing, you know, providing these, these buses and, you know, more of a, a massive ability to take larger quantities of animals at a time. Because I can imagine, you know, if it had been happening before and in individual shelters and other rescue groups were actually doing it themselves, you know, just getting in their car, putting animals in there and doing it. That's, that's a, that is, that is a long haul, um, a lot of work and it's so much time and, and it just shows how much love and passion really does go into this kind of, of transportation service. Yes, we you know we work with a lot of really great folks that um, the rescue groups are really passionate people doing great things and we've you know as I said we've tried to really focus on doing really high quality transport um, we do it every week uh, <clears throat> we we have yet to cancel um, a transport for um, well, we've we've canceled one, I think, over the two and a half years for weather. But um, other yeah. than that, you know, we're we're there every every weekend, um, every Saturday morning. in San Fernando is our first stop, and uh, um, and we're taking you know anywhere from 100 to 150 animals at a time. Wow, that is awesome! <laughs> what Thanks. a cool service. I just I, I really I really. Um, I, I just love the love wrapped around these animals. Um, and you know, there's a, there's, there is a bigger picture here and, and we definitely have to talk about it because it is a big deal. Um, you know, organizational wise from an animal donation perspective, um, clearly you have the ASPCAs of the world. Um, we, you know, and there's tons of organizations doing amazing things for animals, but why do you think donations for animal rescue operations, um, remain low? I, I mean, I kind of think that it's also, it's a, it's an awareness problem, um, 
you know, people don't really understand, like you mentioned, the true operation of what a service like this really takes. Um, and you don't really get full stories sometimes. And when these huge organizations, you know, like the ASPCA doing wonderful things as well, you know, when they get kind of that, that, uh, mass buzz potential going, I don't know. I feel like, um, there is a serious issue in distributing the donation um, capacity around other kinds of animal rescue operation. Um, what do you, what's your take on that? Well, um, fundraising is, uh, is it, is a, uh, is a tricky thing. Um, uh, you know, you often have to, uh, like our organization, we, you know, if, we, if I want to start doing fundraising, the first thing I have to do is hire a, a person to do fundraising, and I'm going to have to spend $50,000 or $75,000 to do fundraising. Right. And so, um, so then you have to try to get, you know, you have to pay that person a whole, over the a year, and it's probably going to take a year or more before they get, um, you know, before they can... Uh, even cover their salary, forget about, you know, actually adding to, um, uh, you know, to our uh, spendable money for the, right. for the shelter or for the, you know, for the transports. So it's difficult. I don't know. Um, the big organizations um, are very good at doing this. Um, uh, I, I don't know. It's, it, it seems to me a bit that, that, um, Often we're it, it just starts to be add more people to do more fundraising to add more people and so the the productivity of the money that's being donated often isn't really getting um, you know it's 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 funding more uh, fundraising right like this the uh, never ending cycle yeah <laughs> yeah so it's it's um so I, I mean my my perspective is always if you want to donate money to an organization try find a local find a local person or a low small local group that's that's doing adoptions or something in your in your area and that is the most efficient and uh, you, you get the best value for the dollar that you're that you're yeah. um, donating yeah yeah so absolutely our, our you know our operation costs about running running one bus uh a week uh run, costs us about two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to operate that bus um every you know every week of you know fifty weeks a year and, right uh, we we the buses hold you know around hundred and fifty animals at a time so our our cost per um, uh, animal to move an animal from Southern California to Seattle or wherever they're getting off is about $20. Right. So it's a really good value. It's, it's um, uh, I think we're really efficient in, in our costs and, uh, uh, and in our, you know, productivity. And we've moved, as I said, 12,000 animals uh, in two and a half years and have, yet to have an animal not get out on its own um, power. Right. 
we've never had any animal that was sick or, you know, had a seizure or anything on the bus or anything. Everybody's always um, in good shape when, when they get off, a little tired, but um, always in good shape. Right. Maybe a little uh, dizzy from the, the car ride. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, f- I feel like um, it is definitely kind of a, a thought process that goes, it's almost like thinking too big when we should think kind of small from a donation perspective, because I've, you know, we, we've been very, very um, focused on giving local donations to shelters and, and places that um, really need you know, the support and help, you know, supporting specific animals, you know, with surgeries that they need and kind of watching these stories. So I definitely think that local donation mindset can really shift the game for a lot of organizations all over the country, maybe, you know, even all over the world doing really good things for animals. Um, because it is it is a requirement, um, considering <laughs> the companion of these animals. I mean, they are our family members. So it's, it's kind of the thought process of what would you do for a family member that lives next door? Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, you guys seem to have like a really amazing operation happening on the West. Um, what's the next phase of the organization itself? What is, what is your grandiose vision and where you want to take this? Well, I, I think our model um, has proved to be uh, really good and um, uh, safe and uh, economical, and so we're we're hoping to be able to spread this to uh, some of the other you know areas of the country where there's really problematic um, uh, uh, euthanasia and and stuff going on. Um, Southern California is a, a, a big problem. Texas is a big problem. And then uh, the, the southern states, um, you know, east of Texas are the, the areas that are really have the biggest um, uh, euthanization uh, uh, ratios, you know, compared to the animals that are coming into the shelter. And so right. we, we want to, um, uh, you know, move in that direction. I think our, our, um, our bus uh uh, layout and and program is is um, works very very well. Um, the reservation system is really important. That keeps the bus uh, uh, full every time we get down. We have you know enough reservations so that we uh, you know we can make sure that the bus is full. Uh, all our procedures, everything that we do, um, I think is great. And I'm you know our our plan is to try to I don't know, call you franchise but but you know something that we would be glad to keep moving um, across the country um, and and start doing this in Texas probably next to try mm-hmm. to get animals you know move to the north and we have everything we have everything uh, ready to go we have the buses we have the online reservation system all our procedures and, and processes. And we can, you know, we can get that stuff hit, uh, going and hit the ground in, in no time. Right. So we're, we're working with some of the bigger groups to help us fund that um, 
uh, and see where that goes. Well, that would be amazing because, you know, I think that the, you've done really that, uh, the hard work, I think, I mean, your background, I think, has uh, really allowed you to get I mean, down to the the $20 roughly, you know, per animal cost and, and what it really takes. I mean, in counting systems, entrepreneur seems like the right fit to have made this work because it's, it's the operations of something like this that could really kill, um, you know, the whole operation in general, because if you're too, you know, too, uh, if you're not balanced, it could get really wacky, um, where the costs are just too high to run it. So it, the efficiency of what you've created is, I think, the most important aspect, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's there's very little money in the uh, donated to the animal world, and so what little there is, you have to really be uh, thoughtful and uh, efficient with it. Yeah, yeah. And, oh gosh, I would, you know, I, I think that... Uh, our bigger journey here, even, you know, having you on this podcast and really what we would love to see is, is in helping people like you, let's get those donations for animal rescue operations up as a whole. I just, I, again, I feel like there's so many people that love animals. There's so many people that, you know, count them as their family. Now let's just, you know, take that and turn it into, you know, a value-driven system where we're taking care of these animals from start to finish for, for others to enjoy too. I just, we need to disrupt the status quo there for sure. <laughs> so there's yeah. our bigger picture here. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's 175 million, uh, uh, companion animals in this country. So uh, there's, there's, and everybody loves their pet. And so I, um, uh, I would encourage everybody to, to help out because there's, there's um, not enough money being spent in the, in the animal rescue world um, to, you know, to save the animals that we have. I mean, we've, we've uh, domesticated these, these beings uh, to such that they cannot live and survive without our help. Um, right. And so as a result of that, we have a social obligation to take care of these animals. We do. And, and so, um, so I think it's important and, and, um, uh, you know, we're, we, it costs us about $250,000 a year to run rescue express and at, at this point, we're, we're getting about 20% of that from donations. And the rest are, are coming from uh, myself. So I would really like wow. to see us, see us uh, uh, get, you know, to be able to cover costs with donations. And then, and then I'm, I'm certainly willing to mo keep moving across the country and have us, have us spread this um, model uh, and, you know, save thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of animals every year. Yes. Yes. I think that's, you know, it's, uh, it's so important. It's so, so essential. I mean, you, and as you mentioned, you know, we've domesticated them enough to where they rely on our help and we need to save them. Well, let's, let's face the facts too. Most of these animals save us also. So it's really yes. a payback system at the end of the day. <laughs> price of uh, unconditional love is not zero <laughs> so it is not so let's uh 
let's let's send some donations to uh, to us or to some local shelter, uh, yes. or rescue group. I Agreed. Think, you know, there's 175 million animals here. Obviously, everybody's enjoying that unconditional love, and and uh, it has a cost. It does, and and it is also priceless. So, yeah, how do you even? start where do you even start but i mean if if even if it was just five dollars i mean it, it's funny how you break it down into really really bite sizable chunks and everyone could do that so all right that's our that's our new uh, well i guess it's like a dual um vision to try to accomplish you know for not only your organization but other organizations that are just trying to help um, it's, it's so important and we're so thankful to have people like you on this planet that, you know, give their lives and, you know, have, have done such amazing things for these little guys because, you know, looking at my little doggies sitting by my side, you just think I would give anything, anything for that kind of love from a human, let alone from an animal. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and if we could find more humans like that, that'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> That's the hard part. <laughs> well, Mike, thank you for being on the Disrupt Now podcast. You're, you know, it's wonderful. I can't wait to, you know, keep connected with you. We will definitely put all the links as to how people can connect with you personally, but with the foundation to support, donate, and spread your message and your story to others that, that adore the work that you're doing and the people that are with you by your side doing this as well. Well, thank you so much. We're, uh, Really happy to be on your show. Thank you. Thank you so much for being a guest and thank you to the Disrupt Now podcast community. To connect with today's guest and every other guest that we have on our show, there are two places that we keep not only all of the episodes, but the information and bio of each of our amazing guests and their contact information. The DisruptNowProgram.com site has all of the podcast link as well as teamgoo.com forward slash episodes. Thank you so much for joining us today and we'll see you again on the Disrupt Now podcast.